My name's James Herman, and at the beginning of 2020, I stopped drinking alcohol. I loved booze, all varieties of it. I didn't have a drinking problem, but I felt like I was always operating at 75%, and I wanted to try out 100%. Since stopping, I've discovered a whole world of awesome, fun, interesting, cool, sociable, successful people who are using a different relationship with alcohol to make themselves even more awesome and successful. This podcast is about those people and their stories. It's called Drunk AF. AF stands for alcohol free. It also stands for as fuck. And it's your call on whatever you want it to mean. Lisa King was 2019's MYOB Woman Entrepreneur of the Year and also a 2019 New Zealander of the Year finalist. After a career in marketing for many of the world's biggest food companies, Lisa King founded Eat My Lunch with her friend, the esteemed chef Michael Meredith. This year, she'll launch her next venture, a company making alcohol-free G&Ts, which sets Lisa on a new social mission to make it easier for people to explore, as she has done recently, a different relationship with alcohol. Lisa, welcome. Thanks, James. Your new venture is called AF Drinks, and it's a company making a non-alcoholic drink that tastes just like a real gin and tonic. So can you tell us a bit about where that idea came from? Yeah, so at the end of last year and the start of um, 2020, I kind of experienced a couple of bouts of vertigo. And um, I realized that every time that that happened, I had had a gin and tonic. (laughs) (laughs) So I... I thought, you know what, I'm just going to stop drinking for a while and cut that element of risk out. Mm. Um, and so I decided to stop drinking at the start of this year like you did. And that's kind of where the idea for AF came from was around creating not just a product but also a brand in a world where people who want to make um, decisions like you and I have mm-hmm. – um, can and do that with confidence and be okay with it. And yeah. as you said, there are so many amazing, successful people who don't drink. Mm. Um, and to kind of share that story. And, you know, I just didn't feel it was right that in this day and age, we can't make choices and express ourselves in a different way that doesn't draw weird looks from um, <laughs> a yeah. crowd of people. So you used to be a marketer for some of the world's biggest food companies like Cadbury and Fonterra and PepsiCo. And then along with Michael Meredith, you founded Eat My Lunch. What was the drive to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, surprisingly, you know, in New Zealand, child poverty rates are quite high. So about 27% of kids in New Zealand live in poverty. Wow. And of those, we estimate around 25,000 kids are going to school every day without lunch. Mm. So it's massive, you know, in a country like ours. And so far, as you said, we've given, you know, over one and a half million over five years. So we are servicing about 2,000 kids a day. So that's 8%. Yeah. Uh, you know, of the kids that are going without. And so while the numbers sound big in my mind, it always feels like we've got such a long way to go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're really focused on not just the breadth of impact, but also the depth and mm. making sure that, you know, we're um, providing to the same schools all the time. So mm. the kids are getting these lunches every day, not mm. just as a one off or, you know, irregular um, intervals. Mm. And that what we're giving them is fresh, it's healthy. Um, it's done in a way that encourages kids to come to school and yeah. learn 
things like healthy eating and yeah. you know be exposed to a variety of healthy foods. Yeah. So um, yeah, while I'd love to go faster and get to even more kids, um, it's really important for us to do it in a way that achieves better outcomes for them as well. And giving sort of to you know to some kids sporadically, but not continuously, I guess you don't see those same outcomes. No, and you know we've had we've worked really closely with the schools to make sure that we are doing it in a way that makes sure that the kids, you know, then they have a feeling of security because mm. um, when they don't get food every day, it becomes a huge worry for them. Yeah. And like one school, um, I remember when we started with them, the kids didn't actually ta- eat the food at lunchtime, mm. and they took them home because they were really worried about when they were next going to get fed. Wow. And so it's just understanding their needs um, beyond just, you know, here's some free food, now yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah. And, the, I mean, the coolest thing are those numbers around things like attendance. So, obviously, you know, that's having an impact on the whole kid's future life, right? Because their attendance at school is so kind of fundamental to that. Yeah, that was probably one of the more surprising outcomes that we discovered, Um you know, there were parents and families not sending their kids to school because they were really embarrassed about the fact that their kids were going without lunch. And, you know, without a universal government-funded program, um, you know, you will have kids co- coming without. And for them, you know, there's a lot of pride within the family. And so, um, you know, that was definitely an interesting and really positive impact that Eat My Lunch was having. So that now they don't have absences because of not having food. Yeah. Because the families know that the kids will be provided for. Yeah. Um, and other things like, you know, concentration class, the behavioural issues that some of the schools were experiencing. Um, teachers tell us that the kids, they can tell when a kid's had food. Yeah. Because they're just different people when they come into the classroom. Yeah, you're not you when you're hungry. As not the... at all. And yeah, I mean, we're as adults know, <laughs> yeah. you know what that's like. So you imagine for a five-year-old being able to control that. Um, yeah, and just even the kids becoming aware of healthy eating. Yeah. And, you know, being exposed to all these different kinds of foods that they've never had before that we t- take for granted. Yeah. Um, really basic things, even like cherry tomatoes or you yeah. know, a gingerbread man or an Anzac biscuit, um, yeah. popcorn, pretzels. like Yeah, being new things. For being these. totally new things that yeah. the kids have, haven't tried, yeah. And for those of us who are parents, it can feel like a lot of work just catering to the daily lunch requirements of the two or three kids in our own families, let alone doing that for thousands of other families every day. So how does that big engine work? You know, how do you get that much lunch made every day and out to so many different people? And not only that, but manage to repeat that every school day of the year. Yeah, so as you know, we have kind of like two sides of the business. We have our customers who are, you know, generally corporates and they buy lunch. Um, and that funds the free lunch for the kids. And so on the, I guess, the buy side of the business, um, you know, we have um, trained chefs and we have our own team. They start at five in the morning um, every day and they come in and they make the lunches for our customers. Um, and, you know, what's really important and what we consider a lot and, you know, why Michael's been so amazing as the uh, chef is that we wanted to make sure what we're delivering our customers, you know, didn't just like meet their expectations but exceeded it because product quality taste um, you know variety when it comes to food there's so much competition and so we had to be competitive 
at that level as well. Because yeah. I think it doesn't matter how great the mission is, yeah. if it doesn't, if the product doesn't deliver, um, yeah. people won't buy again. Yeah. And so we spend a lot of time, you know, figuring out that part of the business. At the same time, with the kids' lunches, we also have a very strong philosophy that it needs to be fresh and healthy. Um, and so again, we spend a lot of time developing those recipes, and it's freshly made every morning. You know, we mm. didn't want to have anything that was in a packet, high in sugar, highly processed for mm. these kids. So, but the difference with the kids' lunches is that we actually utilize volunteers to make those lunches for the kids. Mm. And the reason why we wanted to do that was we wanted to actually get everyone involved um, and have that transparency where people can come in and see how it actually works mm. and be part of the giving. Yeah. And it's been one of probably the most successful parts of the business. So, you know, we've had around 25,000 volunteers over the years. Wow. We constantly have a two to three month waiting list. Wow. Um, which, you know, after all these years is still amazing that yeah. people just want to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, what do they get out of it? Why do people... Go on a waiting list. I mean, that's a wonderful indictment on human nature, isn't it? But why, you know, w- w- yeah, why are they on that waiting list? What draws them to it? I think um, for a lot of them, they are our customers. So they buy the lunch. They kind of want to see what happens at the other end. Um, but also I think Kiwis are just incredibly generous. Mm. Um, and it's been amazing through my lunch, the level of generosity um, and what people are willing to do. But I think it's been hard in the past for people to find an easy way to give back that isn't just giving money. Mm. Um, and when they come, you know, it's a 6.30 in the morning start. So it's early for some. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're sitting there or standing there, rather, making 2,000 <laughs> sandwiches, packing those off. And I think that sense of... Um, God, you've actually done something good and you can see it and it's tangible. And yeah. you know a couple of hours later there's going to be these kids eating this lunch that you've made. Yeah. That feeling, um, you know, we see a lot of our volunteers, they kind of leave on this high. Yeah, wow. Because when you, you know, when you give, you feel good. Isn't that great? And then how do you get the lunches from, from your place to their place? I mean, I, know, I remember you telling me during lockdown – you obviously couldn't just deliver lunch to a single school. You had to deliver them to individual families. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, before lockdown, we would deliver them to schools. So we have 79 schools in Auckland and Wellington. Mm. And over the years, we've really become like a logistics supply mm. chain business. And we've invested a lot in the technology and processes and systems because we make the lunches in the morning they leave our kitchens at 9.30, and then they have to arrive everywhere, all over Auckland, Wellington, by 12.30 Yeah, um, with our own courier drivers. So it's quite a, an operation, yeah. um, but we've kind of refined that over the years. And during lockdown, yeah, because schools were closed, we actually made a decision to deliver food to kids um, individually to their family homes. Mm. And that was tough because we went from, you know, delivering to 79 schools to about 400 homes a day. Wow. Um, and so you imagine the logistics yeah. <laughs> around that. Yeah. But, and how, yeah. I mean, did anything go wrong? Did you manage to do I mean, that just sounds like an amazingly large increase in workload. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it was made even more challenging with the restrictions of COVID and distancing at work. 
um, you know, ensuring that we knew where everyone was and um, all the health and safety procedures around that. Mm. So, yeah, we definitely had to get more vans and more cars <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a few more people. But, you know, I think when you have the basic system set up and using technology to do, like, route optimization and job allocations to people's phones, mm. um, yeah, we managed. <laughs> yeah, good. Glad to hear it. So, you know, how different was your life creating and running Eat My Lunch compared to going to work each day as a corporate marketing person? In those first couple of years, what did a normal day kind of look like for you and how was that different to what you used to do? Yeah, I think, you know, when you work for a big corporate, you're this, you know, tiny part of this huge machine. And probably one of the things I often felt frustrated with working for a big corporate is a lot of the decisions weren't yours. Um, you know, someone else would be making them for you and you could be working on a piece of work for 18 months and then someone will decide, oh, no, we're not going to launch that. Yeah. Um, but the good part of being working in corporate is you can go home, switch <laughs> off, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't have to work in the weekends. Um, mostly, you get more TV in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have a bit more, um, like, mental time to yourself. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest difference to having your own business is that it is all-consuming. Like, you don't get to switch off at 7 o'clock at night or in the weekends. Um, you know, everything falls to you. But at the same time, the kind of rewards that you get and the gratification from knowing that everything you do and every bit of energy you put into it, it will result in something. Mm. And, you know, part of creating your vision and you get to make the decisions you get to kind of lead the way, um, mm. and that's what I really love and enjoy. But it definitely, I mean, Eat My Lunch was my first business. Mm. So it was way harder than I thought it was going <laughs> to be. Yeah, and you what know. a lot to, I mean, not only a, a, a sort of a, a lot to bite off in terms of running your own business for the first time, but running a business which, I mean, it was very successful very quickly. Mm. Uh, and so you were kind of, thrown into this kind of extreme situation where you had, you know, probably 10 or 20 times m more to do than the average person that just starts a business that grows in a much sort of, I don't know, slower, more measured way. How did yeah. you find that? Well, yeah, we hit our three-year target within 12 weeks mm. of starting and you know we launched the business from my home so <laughs> it was it was definitely um you know a shock like I don't think any of us thought we would get there that quickly and so that uh, there were definitely different challenges around scaling yeah. um you know it was just getting every day it was like oh my god how are we gonna triple and double <laughs> the number of lunches we can make um but I think, you know, when you're in it, like, there's such a thrill to it. It's like, on one hand, it's about survival. Yeah. And making sure you get everything right and you're, you know, doing everything that you can um, to get to that next day. Mm. Um, and it's literally like you're running, you know, day by day. Mm. Um, but it's also, it's just so much fun. Um, and I think you have that adrenaline that just keeps you going and it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is actually working and people are buying our products yeah. and, um, you know, we're actually having this impact. And, you know, when you see the numbers of lunches that we were giving, mm. even in those early days, it's um, it's incredibly rewarding. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's sort of fascinating just how adaptable human beings are, right? You kind of, you know, your, your ability to 
like you say, kind of almost shift into survival mode in a good way, right? Yeah. And and just do what needs to be done and kind of switch and change and go with it. Um, you know, it often takes those sort of extreme times to to prove just how adaptable we really are. Yeah. I mean, I often like it to ha- liken it to having a baby. Mm. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you kind of almost have no choice. <laughs> like, yeah. And, you know, you're growing and creating this thing that's happening right in front of you and you want to do your best and um, it's hard, but the rewards that you get from seeing that grow yeah. um, is pretty special. Mm. Yeah. So Eat My Lunch became really successful really quickly, which I imagine made you a much more public figure than you had been before. How did you find that experience? To be totally honest, really uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, I think it's such an unnatural position for me. Like I don't, um, I've never desired being in the limelight. Like I hated public speaking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when we started Eat My Lunch, the idea was for Michael to be the face of the business. And we also thought he was going to be like, you know, the, yeah. public speaking um, person yeah. fronting the business. But I remember we were at our first interview and he just said to me, Lisa, I don't want to talk. You're going to have to do all the talking. <laughs> um, and so, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, um, you know, I was almost forced into that um, role. And look, it definitely made me feel quite uncomfortable um, at the beginning and it was quite challenging for me um, Mm. because I'm naturally quite a shy person. Mm. But over the years and, um, you know, now having done quite a bit of public speaking and, um, you know, interviews and things, you get a lot more comfortable with that. Um, But it's also been just really awesome seeing how much people want to learn Mm. about the journey and what we've done, you know, the new business model um, and kind of taking away from what you can share, the lessons that you've learned, mm. you know, and you almost feel like you have a responsibility to share that um, yeah. with people now. Yeah. And do you hear, I guess, you know, when you share that, it can't help but inspire people, right, to think about how they could do similar kinds of things or maybe orient their their own lives a little bit more around a purpose as as you have with your business do you hear stories coming back to you that of people that have kind of taken that inspiration and run with it yeah absolutely which is so cool you know like we'll get people calling or emailing saying you know I heard you speak and now I'm thinking of starting a social enterprise and or I've done this and you know um that was from yeah talk you gave or something which is quite incredible yeah, yeah, it sure is. And so with, with Eat My Lunch, you're doing kind of, you know, your model, which is really interesting, the social enterprise model. And through that model, you're doing kind of vastly more good than most for-profit companies ever do. And yet I know you've been challenged along the way by people who are kind of suspicious of your motives or your practice of involving volunteers. And it kind of feels like by setting out to do some good, you're being held to a kind of extreme standard that other for-profit businesses would never be held to, which seems kind of crazy. Why, why do you think that people might want to ask questions of companies like yours that they wouldn't ask of normal companies that actually do far less good? Mm. Yeah, it's been really interesting, but I actually think it's really um, reasonable 
and understandable why people have those questions. Because mm. I think for the longest time, you know, we've been um, stuck with this idea that companies only make money mm. and they're all about making profit and that's why you start a business. Mm. And then on the other side, you've got, you know, charities and they're all about doing good, but mm. they don't make money. Mm. And so it's always been quite black and white. Um, and I think... So this kind of model where you're bringing those two together. Mm. Um, You've introduced the grey. Yeah, it's yeah. the grey. And so I think, you know, that's been quite challenging for a lot of people, um, which is understandable. So, and I will say that, you know, because Eat My Lunch, we started with a purpose and, mm. you know, with the social mission. And so what we're asking people to buy isn't just a product mm. or you know, it isn't just a pair of shoes or um, a computer. It's actually the impact mm. that, um, you know, we're promising. And so we have to be really transparent and we have to show what we're doing. Um, so I think it's, it is really great that people do hold these standards for mm. us. Um, and, you know, we're really open to kind of meeting that and being completely transparent. And that's why we have people come into our business and volunteer and see mm. everything that we do. Mm. Um, and I think as we, you know, particularly with what's happened this year um, and more and more people understanding that social enterprise model, I think we're going to see a lot more purpose-driven businesses mm. out there. And um, you do want to make sure that they're doing what they promise they're going to do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it's kind of, you know, in a, in a very purpose-driven world, it can so quickly become, you know, more talk than walk, right? And 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 obviously, your purpose is baked into your business model mm. in a way that, say, a, a, a normal corporate that, that kind of, that creates a purpose, you know, usually doesn't go back and bake that into their business mm. model. Do you think that, potentially that could change, you know, should some of those bigger companies who really aren't being held to that high standard, which is kind of frustrating, you yeah. know, from, <laughs> from my point of view, I'm like, how can you hold Lisa to this standard? Why aren't you out talking to those other companies that really don't do nearly as much good? But do you think that there are, are you seeing some green shoots of that inspiration reaching those, those bigger kind of more traditional for-profit companies? Yeah, absolutely. I think every company um, particularly, you know, in this current environment, they need a social license to operate. Mm. And, you know, consumers are demanding that, staff, their employees are demanding that. And I think they are in a tricky position where they didn't start out with a purpose. Mm. And so to try and, as you say, back that back into the organisation is difficult. Mm. Um but there, I'm sure there is a way of doing that in a really genuine and authentic way that isn't mm. just a marketing exercise. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the challenges for your traditional corporates. But you're definitely seeing, you know, the willingness to mm. move um, towards that. Yeah. And so I think it's just going to be expected Yeah. of everyone. I hope so. And wouldn't that be great to reach a state where it was abnormal not to right absolutely yeah. yeah so tell me about your life now you're about to launch a new venture which we'll talk about in a moment and presumably that means sharing some more of that responsibility for eat my lunch with others so tell me about how come you've chosen to kind of broaden your scope and how are you managing that so that eat my lunch continues to thrive 
Well, I think one of the, um, you know, one of the things about being a good leader and also a founder of a business is knowing your strengths and weaknesses and when the business needs something different. And I think at the end of last year, I recognized that Eat My Lunch had really got to a point where it needed a lot more um, leadership in the kind of sales area. You know, our team had also grown to like 42. Mm. Um, and I just felt like it needed someone else to take the lead um, on a day-to-day basis and really kind of get it to that next level. Mm. Um, and so we recruited a general manager who's taken over the operational part of Eat My Lunch. And so that's allowed me to kind of step back, still be on the board and chair the board and help with, you know, longer term kind of strategic direction of the business, Mm. but not be involved in every little detail of the day to day. Um, And that's been really great, you know, for the business and for the team. Yeah. And how about for you? Is it nice to be not involved in all of that stuff anymore? Or do you miss it? How was that for you? Yeah, I think everyone was saying to me, oh, is it really hard letting go? You know, because it's your baby. Um, And to be honest, I, I think, you know, if... I had felt that way, I think I would have felt like I'd failed because Mm. Eat My Lunch is not about me or Michael. It's so much bigger than that. Mm. And that's what you build a business to be. It's more than just about, you know, the the person or the people who built it. Um, And so I'm so glad it did get to a point where I felt like, no, it's ready. (laughs) And I can can let it go now um, and kind of let it stand on its own two feet without me. And so your new venture is called AF Drinks, and it's a company making a non-alcoholic drink that tastes just like a real gin and tonic. So can you tell us a bit about where that idea came from? What I found was actually there were just very few good alternatives, um, and particularly for someone like me, I don't drink beer. Hmm. So um, you know, there are some really great 0% beers on the market, but there didn't really seem to be anything else. And some of the other alternatives were... They either didn't really taste that great or they were really expensive. Um, They weren't particularly convenient. And the kind of more research I did, I realized there was this huge need and there were a huge amount of people in the world deciding, you know, to cut down or not drink at all. And it just seemed there was this massive gap in the market Mm. um, to provide really great alternatives for them. And then at the same time, you know, I just remember going out or telling people I don't drink and everyone's like, what's wrong with you? Mm. You know, are you pregnant? You know, what's up? <laughs> and I was like thinking, this is weird. You know, I'm making a really good choice here. Yeah. But I was made to feel a little bit. Um, yeah, like something had gone really yeah, wrong. Or yeah, or socially awkward. And I just I was thinking, this isn't right. You know, we all know that we all should cut down mm. um, or drink less because it's not great for you. Yet when we do then we're made to feel like we've made some really awkward social decision. Yeah. We so associate, you know, giving up drinking or cutting back on alcohol as a reaction to either, you know, having an addiction problem, problem drinking, or, uh, you know, some kind of major health event, or just kind of being, I don't know, like, dislocating from the world and 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 not being social anymore and and kind of retreating and and obviously it's it's not like that for so many people but but almost like when you say you know you're not having a drink there's there's almost that feeling like 
oh, something must have been really wrong for that to happen. Um, and and kind of, we need to get past that, right? I don't. I, I mean, I met a lady the other day and she said, oh, you know what, I'm a reluctant drinker. Because yeah. when she goes out, she has to force herself to drink so that she fits in and she doesn't feel left out. Mm. And I just thought, oh, that's really dumb. <laughs> like, yeah, isn't it? That you have to do that. And, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I was really keen to create, you know, a brand that had great products that, you know, tasted just like the real thing. Um, so you didn't feel like you were missing out, that you weren't compromising. Mm. Um, and of course, I love my gin and tonics and that's the one I was missing. So I thought, let's start with that. Yeah. Um, but then also, you know, a brand that allows people to feel okay about the decisions they've made around alcohol. And so, so what can people expect from AF Drinks? What are they going to be able to buy when you launch yeah, so uh, they're these beautiful, premium, um, ready-to-drink G&Ts without the alcohol. And uh, we've developed them with an extract called Afterglow. And it's a special heat extract which kind of mimics that burn or the warmth that you get from drinking alcohol or mm. spirit. And um, it's actually super cool because it builds as mm. you're drinking. And so, you know, over... a period of time like I can film like my face going red um, <laughs> from drinking these drinks even though they have no alcohol in them yeah um, and you know they're all natural low sugar low in calories um, and so it's a really great adult complex drink mm. um, that you can have instead of a normal alcoholic drink yeah and they'll be available in supermarkets and liquor stores bars restaurants mm. um and what I really hope is that you know they're going to help everyone who's been thinking about cutting down or mm. not drinking kind of start to enjoy that process yeah 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 because there is like there's not enough good options out there and you know part of the physicality of drinking like obviously with alcohol it's that feeling of of becoming inebriated, right? And there's a kind of, that's a physical sensation that goes beyond sort of taste or quenching your thirst or whatever. And so kind of being able to build in that afterglow, that sort of sense that, you know, it's uh, the drinks having a physical effect is is a really important part of the experience and people not feeling like they're, they're kind of just having a soft drink or, you know, missing out in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we wanted to make it into a drink that felt premium so that it's in a beautiful glass bottle, um, you know, and something that you'd be really happy holding or drinking from, you know, in a social yeah. situation. And that, yeah, that fills that, um, that experience. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so obviously it's, it's got a social mission, mm. a bit like Eat My Lunch. Um, and can you tell me a bit about what drew you to that particular mission? Well, I think my own experience and, you know, feeling that um, there was definitely this gap in the market. But um, more importantly, kind of feeling like, well, actually, this is a really great thing for adults to consider and for people to consider because alcohol um you know, is a huge source of um, a lot of social problems. And I think particularly, you know, this year around mental wellness and, um, you know, health 
Mm. there's definitely more need for um, healthier versions mm. of these products. Mm. So for me, you know, I think it was about helping people along that journey and then making people not feel like that they're this kind of weird social outcast because yeah. they've made a decision that goes against the norm or, or what's expected in society. And I think that's quite strong for me. You know, it's about kind of helping those and not necessarily in the minority, but who might feel a little bit on the out. Yeah. yeah. And that normalization, like helping people feel normal doing something that is a little bit different, mm. is so critical to them taking that first step, right? And feeling comfortable kind of doing that and, and probably, you know, sticking to that pattern a little bit and feeling like it's not a, a weird thing to be doing. Yeah. That they that they need to kind of step back away from at some point because it's just too strange. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what was um, what was your experience of stopping drinking? Was it something that you found difficult to do? Um, I wasn't like a massive drinker, <laughs> so it wasn't that difficult. But I definitely felt like, you know, there's those times like at five in the afternoon mm. when you're just like, oh, I'd really like a drink. And then I'd go to the fridge and it's like, there's nothing here that's going to satisfy that particular occasion or yeah. desire. Um, and so I found those moments quite frustrating. Or going out, um, you know, I'm still really surprised at the lack of options in bars and restaurants, given how many people are, you know, consciously making this decision. Yeah, it's sad, right? Yeah, yeah. it's so hard to find something that is just isn't a soft drink. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, there's that kind of... the around the product um, element of it. Um, and then, like I spoke about before, it's just that, you know, the weird looks and comments that people make. Yeah. And you just feel a bit like a social outcast. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to tell anyone that yeah. you're not drinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all about to change, hopefully. Yeah. How, how has not drinking affected you, you know, how you feel and function personally? Have you noticed any changes mentally or emotionally or physically as you've drunk less? Yeah, I feel like um, generally I have more energy, mm. you know, and there are definitely none of the mornings when you're waking up feeling sluggish or, um, yeah. you know, after a few drinks, you're like, oh. Um, so, yeah, I feel like from an energy perspective, you know, I've got way more energy than before. Um, you know, you're always thinking with a lot more clarity. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of been my experience. How about you? Yeah, you well, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I feel like I have much more a, a mental and emotional bandwidth. Mm. So what I mean by that is I can kind of, I guess, you know, I can, I can kind of ach achieve a lot more or I'm kind of more productive, not in a kind of stressy mental way it's yeah. it's almost like things have become it's become easier to kind of cope with the stuff that life and the world throws at you mm. and to be able to bite off you know maybe a little bit more than you could previously chew and be able to deal with that in a way that's just I don't know more calm and more easy I think that's been kind of the the cool thing for me is just yeah it's it's a lot easier yeah yeah I agree. Mm. Yeah. And um, so what do you think your future relationship with alcohol might be? Do you see yourself ever drinking again? 
Yeah, oh, look, I have, um, you know, on occasion this year, when there's been a special occasion or someone's, you know, bought a very special bottle of wine, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll have a little glass um, here and there. But I think it's about, you know, really being mindful of those occasions and kind mm. of going, yeah, actually it's worth it mm. tonight for me to have that glass of wine or, you know, to have this really special gin and tonic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I certainly don't miss it. No. So, um, and hopefully, you know, with AF and other alternatives, um, mm. I just don't think it's going to be a thing. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to be able to have that that relationship where you can, you know, occasionally drink in, in, in a very special time, right? And yeah. for it to be kind of more of a treat. I don't know, it's, it seems to make it kind of make those moments more enjoyable, right? Yeah, Rather absolutely. than just really commonplace and, yeah. So what are you most optimistic about in the world right now? Yeah, I think, you know, this year's obviously been incredibly interesting and it's been tough for a lot of people. Um, but I think it's also brought with it, like, really great opportunities. And, um, and you know, it's accelerated, I think, some businesses in the way that we think about things. Um, you know, for example, I think, you know, lockdown provided that opportunity for people to just slow down. And, um, you know, we don't like over a third of Kiwis didn't drink over lockdown. And I think it's just given everyone an opportunity again to be more mindful and to be more aware of their health. Yes. Uh, mentally and physically. Um, and I'm kind of just excited as well, kind of coming out of this year or to the end of this year. There seems to be a lot more talk about, you know, finding purpose. Yeah. And, um you know, that social consumerism that um, people are going to buy things that or work for companies or, you know, align themselves with brands that have a more meaningful purpose um, in society and in giving back. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's been, you know, a hell of a year, right, in some in some ways, um, but a bit of a reset as well, mm. which which is a really kind of positive thing. You know, a time of a little bit of reflection and, you know, some of the kind of the the, the trees of business have been pruned a little, yeah. if you like. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and in many ways that feels like, you know, it sort of sets the stage for, you know, some more positive things to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and it, it's sort of yeah. What I mean, what is? Tell me about what next what next year holds for you. Obviously, there's AF launching and 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 hopefully being as successful as Eat My Lunch was, um, and there's Eat My Lunch growing growing further, right? Yeah, and you know, like we're always thinking about how we can do more and get to more kids, and you know, um, it's been really great to see the government actually, you know, setting up the free lunch program trial and um, putting more money into that. And we definitely want to be a part of that um, and helping that get to more schools and more children. Yeah. So that will be a really big um, opportunity for us. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely challenges for Eat My Lunch in terms of the corporate market um, mm. that's been very unstable and people still aren't back at work. Mm. But, you know, our mission is always still kind of driving what we do. Yeah. Um, and that's that's going to be even more needed, um, I think, right now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so for me, I'm really excited about, you know, launching AF Drinks, 
Um, it's been a really fun project um, oh. and a fun kind of product to develop, which has been nice. And yeah, I've, I'm kind of already working away on my next thing, which, you know, has another bigger social purpose. Yeah, great. Yeah. So yeah, that will be right. fun and exciting. So there are many more of these to come. Yeah, and, you know, I think what Eat My Lunch has shown me is that I don't want to do it or be involved in anything else that doesn't have a really strong social purpose behind it. Mm. Great, great. Well, Lisa, it's been so great having you on the show, and I hope your new venture is as successful and does as much good as Eat My Lunch has. 